Hi, everyone. We are in a series entitled 30 Days to Easter, and we're looking at some of the highlights of the life of Jesus on his way to Calvary, and then the wonderful victory when he rose from the grave. And we are in the Easter season right now. So I want to bring you this series so we can really get our hearts right for who Jesus is and what he did for us, and we can have a celebration of joy in our own hearts. So let's get right into this Sunday morning sermon. It's about Palm Sunday and what did it mean to them and what does it mean to us? So let's buckle up and get right into the sermon. Remember last time we noted that Jesus is always prepared for what's next. When he fed the multitude at the big picnic, the Bible tells us he knew what he was going to do. He knew. Had it all figured out right up here. He had the setting for the Passover meal all prepared for him and the disciples. A room was reserved ahead of time for them to observe their last meal together. And now, (laughs) Palm Sunday, he does it again. He's going to do it again. Why? Because he's always prepared. That is so important to know. He's always prepared, not only for what he needs, he's always prepared for what we need. Whatever you need, God is prepared. He knows what he's going to do. Let's check out the scene in Matthew 21. We'll be in verse 1. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage, Bethpage is Bethany. It's another word for Bethany. A lot went on in Bethany. At the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. Immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, Passover, this is the Passover feast. Oh, that was a high and holy day. Thirty years later, a Roman governor took a census of the lambs that were slain on that Passover. It numbered about 250,000 lambs. There was an average of 10 people per lamb. So it estimates that there were around mm, two and a half million people that crowded into Jerusalem that year to observe the Passover. In verse 3, Jesus said, If anyone says anything to you, here's what you're going to say. The Lord has need of them. And immediately, he'll send them. Now, again, this was obviously a prearranged sign, just like the man carrying the water. Remember that? When you go into town, you see a guy carrying a pitcher of water, follow him to the house. Prearranged sign. Here we have another prearranged sign. It signifies the hour that Jesus had arranged that he would come into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Mark said in his gospel on this scene, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one yet has ever sat on. It's a brand new colt. The fact that the donkey had never been ridden before had made it specially suitable for the sacred purpose. You know why? Because back in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, this is the statute of the Lord, of the law, which the Lord has commended, saying, here's what Moses said to the people of Israel, Speak to the sons of Israel that they bring you an unblemished 
red heifer, that's a calf or cow, in which is no defect and in which a yoke has never been placed. So back in Numbers when they sacrificed the heifer, it was an animal that was never used. It was saved especially for that purpose. Also, there were other things God did like that. The cart on which the Ark of the Covenant was carried, it had to be a vehicle that was never used for any other purpose. Couldn't take it and, well, I got a cart here that I used to use to carry hay. You can use it for the Ark. No, it's going to be a brand new Ark, never used before. Again, God prepares things ahead of time. Now in verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken of through the prophet. And here's what the prophet said. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Who prophesied that? Zechariah. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Oh, he's just and endowed with salvation. He's bringing something good. Salvation. He's humble. Mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, over the years, when I've read this passage of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, I always struggled with what exactly was happening. I struggle with verse 2. You'll find a donkey tied there. Okay, no problemo there. And a colt with her. Untie them both and bring them to me. And I always wondered, like, why two? Why did he have two? The mother and the baby. Why did he have them? Did Jesus ride both of them? Actually, some commentators believe he did. Some commentators believe it was such a long walk, he rode one donkey halfway, then he got off that one, got on the other donkey, and he rode that one the other half. I'm like, no. No, there's more to it than that. I believe the true understanding is found way back in Genesis, chapter 49. Jacob is talking to his sons, and he said in verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh is Christ. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties the foal, which means donkey, to the vine. And his donkey's colt, which is the young one, to the choice vine. Now, what's he saying? The vine signifies the Old Testament. He ties the donkey to the vine to the Old Testament. He ties the foal of the donkey, the little colt, the baby, to the choice vine, which signifies the New Testament. And Jesus is showing us that there's a new covenant coming that the new covenant comes only with Christ, with Christ on board. Remember when Jesus had the Last Supper with the disciples? He says, a new covenant I give to you? 
And he talked about the bread and the cup now being that which is representative of his body, that atones for the sin of the world. It's a new covenant. No more animal sacrifices. Christ, oh, he's the once and for all sacrifice. Jesus is demonstrating we're coming out of the old and into the new. So he's showing us that the new covenant comes through him. It'd be difficult to assume that a mature donkey had never been ridden. You know, who's going to keep a donkey for years and years and never use it? So it's more likely that it was a brand new donkey that Jesus rode on also. He rode the young colt, the baby, which had never been ridden before. Now, this was a typical demonstration of what a prophet would do, conveying a message where words didn't seem to work. For instance, there was a time when the prophet Ahijah, he wore a garment and he tore it into 12 pieces and he presented them to Jeroboam, who's ruling Israel, showing him that the kingdom would be divided. The garment in one piece was all of Israel and he ripped it up into 12 pieces, 10 and 2. And he said, well, it's going to be a divided kingdom. There's going to be a civil war, a rebellion. Jeremiah couldn't get the people to listen to him. So he put a yoke on his neck and he walked around the city, signifying that they would become slaves of the Babylonians. So sometimes the prophets would demonstrate their message when words didn't seem to get it done. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's introducing the new covenant. In verse 6, the disciples went and they did just as Jesus had instructed them. I'm like, huh, you're not going to believe it. They went into town just like Jesus said. You know what happened? They were there. Mommy donkey, baby donkey. There they were, tied up to a post, just like with the Passover preparation. There was that guy with the water. Oh, yeah. Now we got the donkeys. Man, Jesus is always prepared. In verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Now, when Jesus rode into town, man, the crowd received him like a king. Because remember the prophecy, your king is coming, riding on a donkey, a colt. So they saw him as the king. Verse 8, most of the crowd, they spread their coats in the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees, spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of, ahead of him, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, I want to bring you to a scene. It's actually modern-day Israel, but it's similar to a road that Jesus would have taken to go from the Mount of Olives down into Jerusalem. So let's watch this short video. Now on that day, Jesus sent a couple of his disciples into town and they came back with a donkey's colt for him to come and ride down this road on. They threw some cloaks on the donkey, people were throwing down palm fronds, and they were celebrating the coming of the king. They quote Zechariah 9.9. There's some people that 
tell Jesus to get the disciples to be quiet and stop saying things like that. And Jesus' comment was, if these people didn't cry out, then the very stones they were walking on would recognize who he was and respond. Mm -hmm. You can imagine them coming into the city and this beautiful view that they would have had. The temple would have been right there in front of them. They would have been able to see that as they were coming down the mountain. It would have been really beautiful. Now there's a very big contrast between Jesus coming into Jerusalem on that day and that triumphal entry and the triumphal entry of, say, a Roman general after a military victory. He's humble. He's not riding a beautiful war horse. He's riding on a donkey's colt. Right, with people's clothes as the saddle. You have Jesus continuing his humble, unassuming entry into Jerusalem. Now, the Mount of Olives is a very steep hill. That's not the exact road, but it's probably near the road that Jesus walked down that deep, steep hill to get, then he went up a hill to get to Jerusalem. And that big dome you saw, the Golden Dome, un believe it or not, that's a Muslim mosque. It's the big mosque, and it sits right on the place where the temple was, the Jewish temple. It's in that exact spot where the temple was. So it's quite a thing. And that's the scene that I wanted you to see that Jesus would have, um, Jesus would have taken. So when they yelled out, Hosanna, you saw that narrow street and lined with people, it must have been quite a thing. Hosanna means save now. It's a cry for deliverance. Obviously, Jesus knew the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament history. He knew that 175 years earlier, Antiochus Epiphanes, he's a Greek ruler, he was determined to stamp out Judaism and introduce Greek culture and Greek worship and Greek gods. He sacrificed a pig in the temple to the Greek god Zeus, and he turned the temple chambers into brothels. The Maccabees who were like Jewish zealots, Jewish rebels. They rose up, they were warriors, and they rescued the land, and they retook the temple. In celebration, the people took palm branches, and they sang psalms to God. It looked very much like the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem. They were celebrating. It's possible that Jesus knew this, that he entered Jerusalem with the deliberate intention of cleansing God's house. Just like the Maccabees cleansed the house of God and drove out the Greeks and took the temple back. Jesus, after he rode into Jerusalem, notice what happened in verse 10. When he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, Oh, this is the prophet. This is Jesus. He's from Nazareth in Galilee. And what was the next thing that happened in verse 12? Jesus entered the temple and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. They were, because people travel such a long distance, 
on Passover to get to Jerusalem. Many came from all parts of Europe and in the Middle East and Asia. They wouldn't bring their sacrifices. They would buy sacrifices when they got to, the, to uh, Jerusalem. They would buy the lambs and the goats and the birds, the turtle doves. And the money changers were kind of like the guys that sell hot dogs at Fenway Park. Everything's overpriced. Everything. You know, instead of a dollar, it was like eight dollars. You know, so they were selling these animals at an exorbitant price. They're ripping off the people. And Jesus got a little upset with that. Not the fact that they were selling sacrifices because people came to sacrifice, but they were extorting the people. They were taking advantage of them. So Jesus, what did he do? He overturned the temples of the money, the, the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling the doves. As a matter of fact, one gospel writer said he made a whip out of cords and he drove those guys out. He was really upset. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a robber's den. And you know, I think about that. I think about modern day Christianity here in America too. It's become so commercialized. I've been thinking this morning, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the church. I'm like, not this church, the church. It's so man-centered. It's not God-centered anymore. It's man-centered. I watch the pastors on TV. They look like they're homeless. They're slobs. I don't mean homeless people are slobs, but they don't honor God. I listen to their messages. It's all motivational speeches. Not teaching the Bible. People not learning the attributes of God. They're not learning scripture, line upon line, word upon word. They don't know the stories of the Bible. It's all man-centered. And it's just what Jesus said here. It's become a robber's den. And it's all about buying and selling. And I don't see a lot of worship. I don't see worship. I've been to churches that remind me of places I used to go before I was saved. And drink beer. Churches are just like that, only without the beer. It should be God-centered. It's about God. So Palm Sunday, that original Palm Sunday in the days of Jesus, he comes as a promised deliverer, but also to usher in the new covenant. And you know what the covenant is? Grace. He came to introduce Grace. No more living by the law. No more guilt. No more performance. It's grace. Oh, the study of grace. God's unmerited favor. Access to God is grace. It's through the, the sacrifice of Christ. It's through something that someone else did. In the Old Testament, it was what they had to do. Now, it's what someone else did. And he did it on a cross like that. Well, probably more like that. That's grace. God gave us something. That's what we celebrate. That's what we come to church to learn. Grace. 
That's what, I believe everything we need to know about how to live, if we learn the scriptures and the Bible stories, that'll take care of itself. We don't need to teach how to live. We need to teach the Word of God. The Word of God will teach us how to live. And grace is a very big part of that. And that's what we need to learn today. We need to learn, wait, the new covenant. So when I see Jesus riding in on the baby donkey, oh, yes, it's a new covenant. It's a new way. He's, interest, he's, he's introducing a new way of access toward God. And then when he died on the cross and the, the veil rent in the temple, that way it was made. And now every one of us have access to God. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you that you have done something for us, something special, that they never had in the Old Testament. You have provided the once and for all sacrifice, your very own son, the Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the salvation that is provided through faith in him. And for those that might be here today that never put their faith in Christ, let this be the moment right now. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. You can acknowledge that right now. Say, yes, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus is my Savior. And if you're watching online, you've never done that, this is the time right now. Tell God, say, yes, God, I believe. I'm accepting your son. The new covenant, the new way. I'm accepting the forgiveness that's offered through your son. If you've done that, if you're online, contact us. We're going to mail you some literature to help you to understand what it means to be born of God. If you're in the church, come on down. We'll have some deacons down front. And they'd like to give you that very same literature to help you to prepare for the rest of your journey toward Christ like this. So Father, thank you for our time together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as you can see, the celebration of Palm Sunday, it really has a kind of a twofold meaning. For the people of Israel, they thought it was a king coming in to give them a freedom from Rome, kind of a, a political freedom. But we see it today as better than that. We see it as freedom from sin, freedom from judgment. Let me ask you, are you free? Do you understand Palm Sunday? But are you free? Do you understand what Palm Sunday leads to? And are you free? You know, sadly, there are many professing people that believe in Christ and probably are born again, but still not experiencing freedom. The freedom that Jesus Christ offers. He wants us to experience that freedom. It's not a freedom just on the books, where my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life in heaven. But it's an experiential freedom. I, I can be free in my soul. Then I'm free in my emotions. I'm free in my responses to the events of life. Think about the freedom that God offers. So, as I said, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, we've got the older donkey representing the Old Testament, an age basically of works. And then we've got the young donkey representing the age of grace. 
Which age are you living in? Are you living in the age of works, trying to always be pleasing to God, and you're on this performance trip and wondering, oh, am I am I making God happy? Am I disappointing God? Or are you in the new covenant and enjoying a relationship? God wants us to enjoy a relationship with Him. It's not about performance. It's not about works. It's not about penance. It's not about paying God back. It's about relationship. Are you enjoying your relationship with Christ? It's a friendship. Every friendship should be enjoyed, right? You enjoy doing things together. You enjoy communicating, conversing. So it is with God. We enjoy walking with the Lord, conversing with the Lord, pouring out our hearts to the Lord, listening to Him, reading His Word and letting His Word speak to us and encourage us and direct us and and do what God sent it to do. Because he does promise his word, the word that he sent, it will not return void. Think about that. His word will not return void. It will accomplish that which he sent it out to do. So the best thing we can do, get it in your soul. Get it in your soul. Have you been falling away from church? This is the season. Get back to church. Forget that Lone Ranger Christianity. Get back to the body of Christ. Get back. This is a great time to to restore your relationship with God. If you feel your relationship with God has been broken a bit, it's been fractured, maybe you've made poor choices, maybe you're running with the wrong crowd, now is the time to get back. Get back, enjoy God, enjoy Palm Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it's right around the corner. That is a Sunday of victory in every Christian all over the world shares in that victory, every single one of us. And that is a day of rejoicing. And that's what we'll come to do. We will come to rejoice in the Lord, for he has made me glad. And that's what that song is all about. Let God make you glad. Things in the world won't. People will let you down. God will never let you down. God can be the source of your joy. Give him the opportunity establish that relationship with him. Oh, I love this season. I hope you do too. Like I said, get to church this Sunday if you haven't been. Get to church. Can't find one? We're online, newhopecc.tv. You can catch us online live 10 o'clock Eastern Time. But you need to be with God. By the way, you can get these messages again. Go to our podcast sites all over. The Hope Club Podcast. It's all you need to type in. The Hope Club Podcast. It's on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. It's on our website, newhopecc.tv. They're all there. It's worth listening to again. You know why? Because we're getting our hearts right. It's the, it's the Easter season. It's a season of hope, the season of joy, the season of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't emphasize enough. Get with God. If you've fallen away, get back with God. He's waiting for you with open arms.